this is the 20th episode of Decoding Fox News, and I am your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze 15 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. This project is made possible by the Tao Knight Center for News Integrity at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. For those folks outside of New York, CUNY stands for City University of New York. I am a graduate of that program, not a student. And if you don't know me, I have a long history covering and researching the far right, specifically a hate group known as the Proud Boys. Okay, this week's intense, so I'm going to go straight into it. Fox News. Tucker Carlson lays track for a Trump indictment. A condensed overview of 10 hours of Fox News media for the week ending July 3rd, 2022. Last week, a typical Fox News viewer might think that the January 6th committee was a huge power play by the Biden administration to hamstring Trump for a potential presidential run in 2024 and to silence Biden's critics. They might also believe the United States is the only country facing high rates of inflation and that we are running dangerously close to a hostile communist revolution and mass starvation. The hyperbole was as thick as black strap molasses last week on Fox News. As the January 6th committee hearings revealed even more disturbing information about Trump's alleged actions on the day of the riot, Fox kicked things up a notch. Tucker Carlson compared President Joe Biden to the murderous communist dictator Joseph Stalin. That seemed like a bit of a stretch, considering Biden hasn't enacted programs that have resulted in the death of six to nine million people. Stalin forced the relocation of entire ethnic groups, purposely starved about four million Ukrainians, and killed huge swaths of his own government leadership and military. So we have a lot of ground to cover this week, so I'm going to play this first clip. It sets the tone really for all of last week's coverage, because I do think that Fox is reacting to these January 6th hearings and they're taking things in a very strange direction. So this is Monica Crowley. She was the assistant secretary to the Department of the Treasury under Trump. And it's not just here in the United States. This is happening across the West. You know, Sean, every once in a while, President Biden sort of blurts out what he's been privately briefed on. And he has said repeatedly, warns about food shortages. So it could, in fact, be coming. And I would just say, uh, history is replete of communist regimes actually creating man-made famines for mass starvation well, and death. I'm not saying we're heading there. I am just saying that I'll we've been you. down this road before. These farmers call my radio show putting the fear of God into me because they can't afford to do what they usually do. Okay, I would call that heavy-handed hyperbole. I would call that, like, next-level crazy. So, if you don't know the history of man-made famines under communism, there was the Holodomor in Ukraine, which happened from 1932 to 1933. Joseph Stalin wanted to break the spirit of the Ukrainian people who didn't want collective farming and were not crazy about being communist. So he basically took a map, took entire sections, took all the grain, exported it out of the country, seized food, went door to door with the army um, to farms, took everything edible and starved people to death. That did happen. And that gives you a little bit of insight in between the two countries of Russia, which then was the Soviet Union, and Ukraine. 
In some areas where they killed off all the Ukrainians, they replaced them with Russians, which again, yikes, with what's happening right now in Ukraine. That gives you a little bit of context. So she's actually comparing the Holdemore, that's what the man-made star starvation was called, with inflation, I guess, on food. I, I don't know what she's talking about. The food shortages that Biden has referred to are probably going to be more likely in the in the developing world where they are more um, reliant upon grain from Ukraine. So anyway, and also Fox does this a lot. They love to bring up the Red Scare, sort of. They love to bring up like communism as this boogeyman, which is completely absurd because the United States is almost hyper capitalistic. Um, true communism and I, the term socialism is misused constantly from people on both sides of the aisle. Okay, true socialism is the government owning the means of production. That's communism, right? That's the government saying, I own this plant, I own that factory, I own your job, I own your house, I own everything. That's communism. The United States, there is no viable political movement in the United States that is pushing for that. There might be a handful of academics <laughs> in a basement somewhere who call themselves like the Communist People's Party's front or something, but they're not going to win an election anytime soon. We are in many ways hyper-capitalist in that about half of Americans own at least some shares of stock, half of American families roughly own property, some people own multiple properties, and we have about 30 million small businesses. And I think that's an underestimate because when you think about it, like how many of your friends have like an Etsy store or you make something on the side and sell it or you sell stuff on eBay or Poshmark or whatever. There's a lot of like side hustles that we all have going on. That's all capitalism. We are hyper capitalist. There's no fear whatsoever that this country is going to tip into socialism, that we're anywhere near socialism or that uh, we'd ever become full blown communists. It's absolutely, completely crazy. That's just total nonsense. But that sort of sets the tone for the week. That's how high they raise this bar. So this week, I'm doing something different. I've never done it in a podcast before. I'm taking, I'm dedicating the whole thing to one super long um, monologue that Tucker gave on Wednesday, because I think this is the key to where he's going to go for the, the ensuing months. As this January 6th committee hearing gears up, and if there are criminal indictments made, which I think there will be, this is their defense. And I won't give it away. I'll play it little by little. And as I cut into this crazy 18-minute long rant, you're not going to hear the whole thing. I'm going to cut, edit quite a bit of it out. You'll see the case they're building against January 6th. Because he's given up. Tucker had a whole documentary based on it being a false flag and an inside job and the FBI sort of planned the whole thing out. He's dropped that. Hannity's still holding on to his weird theory that Nancy Pelosi is to blame, despite a crazy amount of evidence that his theory makes no sense. That's Hannity's. He's going to, you know, die on that hill. But this is how Tucker's going to go. And I think this is the direction the entire network's going to go. Because it, it's a little bit easier to consume, and it's going to make people angrier. It's more dangerous. So we're just going to, I'm going to play this clip, break it up, and we'll go right through the, if you want to read along, trust me, open up that newsletter and you will see I've spelled everything out. This took hours of research. 
So here we go. That the signature tactic of the Biden administration, this is our topic tonight, has been the criminalizing of American politics. Why have a political debate when you can just arrest people who disagree with you? And that has happened far below the media radar since the day Joe Biden was elected. And tonight, to show it, we want to go through a litany, a list of Americans who have been arrested, detained by federal law enforcement on the orders of the Biden administration, not because they committed recognizable crimes, but because they disagreed with the political aims of the Biden administration. So that's how Tucker starts this. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to rebut every single person he lists with specifics. So that's how we're going to do this. Let's roll. We run the justice system now. You are powerless. And that is the same message the Biden administration has sent to America for the last year and a half with the help of Merrick Garland, the most political attorney general in history. Here's a list of the things they've done because no one else has assembled it. Here we go. January 27th, 2021, days after Joe Biden's inauguration, the Justice Department arrests a man called Douglas Mackey, known online as Ricky Vaughn. You heard very little about this. Why? Because Douglas Mackey had extremist political views. But under the American system, it doesn't matter if you have unattractive or unpopular views. Your views are protected by the First Amendment. He was arrested for what? A crime? No. For creating Internet memes that made fun of Hillary Clinton. But according to the Justice Department, those memes, quote, deprived individuals of their constitutional right to vote. So he went to jail. Now, this is very odd that Tucker would even start with this person, but he goes in chronological order. I don't know if I would have started with Mackey. The reason is Mackey is a white nationalist. Douglas Mackey also was affiliated with another co-conspirator who was had expressed admiration for Adolf Hitler and Nazism and claimed to have been involved in the spread of the QAnon conspiracy movement. Um, what Mackey actually did was, yeah, he made fun of Hillary Clinton, but he also created memes that had a phone number and a hashtag involved in them that were meant to trick black voters specifically into clicking and hashtagging, sending text messages, thinking they could vote from home. About 4,900 phone numbers did this. So this is voter suppression. This is illegal. You're not allowed to lie to people to trick them into voting on the wrong day. You're not allowed to tell people that they could vote via phone. That is a crime. Also, this is part of the pattern that we've seen before where Tucker Carlson defends a white nationalist. And I'll just leave it at that. Next up. Then on February 3rd of the same year, 2021, the FBI raids the homes of Russell Taylor and Alan Hostetler. What did they do wrong? Well, they organized a lawful political rally on January 6th. They even had a permit for the rally. Taylor also committed the grave offense of being seen with Roger Stone in the days before January 6th. That's now a crime, too. Not in a free country, but in ours. Okay, so I looked up Russell Taylor and Alan Hotstetter. And they were both charged with knowingly entering a restricted building or area of the Capitol grounds. Taylor was charged with carrying a knife while doing so. The federal indictment was made public and filed into court records on June 9th. Hofstetter faces six counts and Taylor faces four. So that's a lot more than doing nothing. Well, keep going through this list because it's it's a doozy. Then on April 28th, 2021, the Fed seized the cell phones and computers belonging to the president's former lawyer, Rudy Giuliani. That didn't used to be allowed. You can't seize the records of someone's attorney. 
Those are confidential lawyer-client communications. Now, at the time, we were told that Rudy Giuliani had done something illegal in Ukraine. The walls were closing in. He was never charged with anything like that because it was all fake. But they got his privileged communications anyway. Okay, what he left out, attorney-client privilege does not apply if the attorney is involved with a crime. So the attorney, if the attorney and client are working on a crime together, the law enforcement has a right to those records. Um, Giuliani is already facing a slew of legal problems as last year as an appeals court suspended his ability to practice law in New York and in D.C. Then on June 24th, 2021, the feds raided the home of a Giuliani associate called George Dixon. The FBI never explained the purpose of that raid, but Dixon was working on a documentary about Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and their business dealings in Ukraine. And that's no longer allowed. A direct attack on the free press, not covered by the media. Out of this whole list, George Dixon was the hardest person to find any information on. So I did find a great article on Raw Story. I included the link in the newsletter to quote them. Last year, lawyers told Mother Jones that raising money abroad for a movie that could be seen as aimed at influencing the 2020 election could violate campaign finance laws or the Foreign Agents Registration Act if the investors were tied to foreign governments. Another reason for the raid could be Dixon's involvement with Giuliani. And again, I'm going to quote that same article. Federal prosecutors in New York are investigating Giuliani for suspected violation of foreign lobbying laws in regard to his efforts in Ukraine, where he worked with former Ukrainian government officials and alleged Russian agents to gin up allegations about Joe Biden that Giuliani and former President Donald J. Trump pressured Ukraine's government to investigate. So there's a lot more to that than just, I was making a movie. And then, because this list does go on, on January 19th, 2021, a journalist at InfoWars called Owen Schroyer was arrested and charged. Why? Well, according to the federal complaint, Schroyer told the crowd on January 6th, quote, Today we march for the Capitol because on this historic January 6th, 2021, we have to let our congressmen and women know, and we have to let Mike Pence know, that they stole the election, end quote. Now, you may not agree with that, or maybe you do, it doesn't matter, that's protected speech under our Constitution. But under Joe Biden, it's a crime. Okay, that's not what he was indicted for. The quote has nothing to do with it. What Carlson left out, he was actually charged with illegally entering a restricted area on the Capitol grounds and disorderly conduct. Now, you can find a federal criminal complaint on just about anyone. All you need is their name and type in criminal complaint or indictment and you'll eventually find it. It's pretty easy, actually. I found these all in like five minutes. And then on November 6, 2021, the FBI raided the homes of several more journalists who worked for Project Veritas, including the organization's founder, James O'Keefe. What did they do wrong? Drug trafficking? Human trafficking? No. They reported on a diary written by Joe Biden's daughter, Ashley. And in that diary, Biden's daughter writes, reveals to the rest of us, that Joe Biden showered with her in a way that she described as inappropriate and that she blames for making her sexually compulsive in later life. For having access to that information, the FBI raided Project Veritas. Out of this list, this is the, probably the best case Tucker Carlson has, but this is the only one. And this is even blurry. Okay, so Project Veritas is run by this man named James O'Keefe. He's gotten in legal trouble before because he's misrepresented himself when he's been on government property, and that is a crime, at least in the case that he 
got arrested for and pled guilty to. Um, he also creatively edits his videos in ways that he um, purposefully misinforms the viewer what they're actually seeing. And he does not follow the ethical standards that journalists are supposed to follow. Like You're not supposed to lie to sources. You're not supposed to misrepresent yourself. You're not supposed to go undercover. That's kind of a myth. People have asked, tell me to do that all the time. They think that's how journalists work. That's actually not how we're supposed to work. There is some undercover work that you can do. Um, I've done some stuff online that's been like, quote unquote, undercover. It's like basically a bunch of fake accounts. But I've never purposely misled a source in down a dark and sordid path. I don't, it's generally frowned upon. That's not what you do. So that's where this gets a little gray. Is O'Keefe considered a journalist or not? I don't know. The reason why the FBI raided his home and the homes of other journalists is that there was um, a belief that this diary was stolen property. However, journalists are allowed to have stolen property as part of an investigation and a story. You, it's weird, but ethically you're allowed to do that as long as you didn't steal it. Um, so this is kind of a, a gray area. It's an uncertain if they overreached or not, if there was any case in this list where Tucker has an argument that they went too far, it would be this case. As much as I do, cannot stand Project Veritas or James O'Keefe, this does seem like they may have gone too far. So I'll give him sort of half a point on this one. Later that same month, on November 15th of last year, the Justice Department arrested one of the most prominent critics. That would be former Trump advisor Steve Bannon. Now, what did Steve Bannon do wrong? Did he commit a crime on January 6th? No, he didn't, and no one claims otherwise. Instead, Bannon's crime was that he didn't bend the knee for the January 6th committee. He said executive privilege. According to Nancy Pelosi, that means Steve Bannon belongs in jail. Okay, for starters, Donald J. Trump already gave Steve Bannon a pardon on fraud charges where he was defrauding people on a goofy wall scheme, where he's basically just taking people's money. So, boo-hoo, Steve Bannon, cry me a river. Second, Executive privilege does not apply when you don't even work for the government, which he didn't. At the time that this happened, he was, a, you know, he was his own thing. So, and you defied a subpoena. So that's what happens when you defy a subpoena. Now, it's not a criminal court, but it's the U.S. government. Kind of stupid for you to defy the subpoena and not even attempt to defend yourself. So I don't really care. that This one, you do not get, Tucker. There's no way. You defy a subpoena. You're in contempt of court. Boo-hoo. Deal with it. So, no. In other words, we don't arrest people for ignoring congressional subpoenas, particularly when they cite executive privilege, a principle that has a long history in American history. We've never done that. But we can do it now because it was, quote, an insurrection, an insurrection that wasn't armed, wasn't planned, and didn't actually insurrect anything, but it was still an insurrection. Now you're beginning to see why it's been so important from the very first day for the media to describe what happened on January 6th, not as a riot, but as an insurrection, because if it's an insurrection, they can violate your civil rights, and they have, and they continue to. There's a lot to unpack with that little clip. Now, first, the way he phrases that, he says, your rights, they've taken away your rights. Actually, they haven't. This January 6th committee has not affected my rights at all, or yours, or most people listening to Fox News. It hasn't affected them at all. Number two. He says it wasn't armed. It was. It wasn't planned. There's overwhelming evidence that this was planned and that it didn't insurrect anything. Okay, so it wasn't successful, but pretty much all of the mostly Republicans who have testified 
both federal and state government officials have claimed that Trump or someone from his administration desperately tried to get them to cooperate in this scheme to overturn the results of an election, which is kind of a big deal, Tucker Carlson. I know he likes to minimize this, but that's what happened. Unless you're claiming that all of these people in various states and in various agencies in the federal government are all lying because they don't like Trump, even though they're all Republicans. But okay. The day after Steve Bannon's arrest, this would be November 16th, 2021, the FBI raided the home of Sharona Bishop. That's the former campaign manager for Congresswoman Lauren Bollert of Colorado. According to Bishop, here's what happened. Quote, while homeschooling my youngest children, the FBI decided it was necessary to bust open my front door with a battering ram and put me in handcuffs while they trampled through my home, terrifying my family. My daughter was pulled around by the hoodie, by her hoodie, by one of the agents. Now, why would you do this to the former chief of staff of a sitting member of Congress? Well, the FBI gave no reason. They took Bishop's cell phone and they left. Never charged with a crime. So Tucker Carlson left quite a bit out of that one. So Sharona Bishop, the first woman, worked with Tina Peters, the second woman. Tina Peters was a Mesa County clerk. The reason why they were investigated was there, were, there was alleged election security breaches and they were looking into the security breach involving election equipment in Mesa County. So the Colorado Secretary of State got involved, as did the FBI. And what ended up happening was after a grand jury investigation, Tina Peters was charged with 10 criminal counts. So far, Sharona Bishop has not been but the reason why she was investigated is because she was working closely with Tina Peters. Now, this is so crazy that Tina Peters then tried to run for the GOP uh, nomination for Secretary of State, which she lost, thankfully. But this is, um, that's far more to the story. So there was a criminal indictment. The woman is getting due process. And this is hardly a housewife who just had her door smashed in by the FBI. Now, they, these two women have gone on like a media tour of sorts, painting that as we were just poor little housewives and we questioned the election and we're being terrorized by the FBI. But that's not exactly what's happening. And the FBI has disputed most of their claims, including with evidence that they didn't smash anything up and that sort of thing. On June 3rd, Peter Navarro, who was a trade aide to Donald Trump, was arrested at Washington National Airport and put in leg irons and put in jail. Why? Well, days earlier, he sued the January 6th committee. He claimed executive privilege in his communications with the president. Again, this is standard, a decades-old standard. And rather than go to court, the January 6th com committee simply had him arrested at the airport and sent to jail in irons. So again, Peter Navarro defied a congressional subpoena. He cited executive privilege. That's cute, but that doesn't mean you just don't face consequences. He's also admitted to, like, criminal behavior in news interviews. He just says stuff that's crazy. And people are like, what did you just say? And he's like, oh, yeah, we were planning this whole plot. He, there's been a couple instances where he's done that. So, you know, uh, yeah, well, I don't even know what to say to this. You defy a congressional subpoena in a case like this. And I don't be shocked if you get arrested. Then on June 9th of this year, the FBI arrested a Republican candidate for governor of Michigan. In fact, the candidate who polls show was in the lead. His name is Ryan Kelly. Again, Tucker's leaving out a lot of details. 
There is a criminal complaint against Kelly, which you can look up. I have a link to it in the newsletter. He knowingly entered and engaged in disorderly conduct in restricted buildings or grounds and engaged in an act of physical violence against person or property. Moving on. Here we go. On June 22nd of this month, the feds cornered former Trump attorney John Eastman in a parking lot and seized his phone. They didn't even provide a warrant before they did that. Watch. So this is a classic move that Tucker Carlson does all the time where he gaslights his audience directly. So he says that uh, John Eastman was not issued a warrant, yet in the clip that he shows, you can clearly see an agent walk over to John Eastman and say, here is your warrant. And then John Eastman reads it on camera. So, okay, good luck with that. So John Eastman, if you've been following the January 6th committee hearings at all, you'd know that he's a major player. He's the one that came up with the whole theory that somehow Vice President Mike Pence could change the course of the election by not certifying the electors. John Eastman is the mastermind behind that. So, of course, I'm not surprised that they might have seized his phone. Not, he's like a huge part of this. A day after that was shot, June 23rd, last week, the FBI searched the home of former Trump DOJ official Jeff Clark. Again, there's no suggestion he committed any crime of anything, that he did anything wrong. What he did was say things that Joe Biden and Joe Biden's Justice Department didn't like, so he was hauled out of his home in his pajamas for maximum public humiliation. So again, if you've been watching these hearings at all, you would know that Jeffrey Clark is a major player. <laughs> He's kind of huge in the whole story. So Jeffrey Clark was a lawyer in the Department of Justice that Trump wanted to appoint as attorney general at the very end of his, of his presidency, basically right before he'd have to give power over to the rightfully elected president, Joe Biden. And he was hoping that Jeffrey Clark would do whatever he t wanted him to do. And they had drafted this crazy letter that they were going to send to the governor of Georgia that basically said, you've got to send us different electors. Your entire results are negated. And here's all the Department of Justice signing this letter. When the other uh, lawyers found out about this in the Department of Justice, they threatened to resign in mass because they knew this was not legal. And they all said that Jeffrey Clark was not qualified to be attorney general and that this was absolutely outrageous. He was just doing this to further this crazy conspiracy. So, yes, Jeffrey Clark was investigated. Not shocking. And the FBI doesn't really care if you're in your pajamas or not. When they show up and knock on your door and come right in, if you're in the shower, you're in the shower. They might give you a chance to put a robe on, but that's it. They don't care. They got to do their job and they don't want you hiding evidence. So that's how it works. Every election of your lifetime has been contested. Every single one. There's not an election a Republican wins in which Democrats don't say, yes, the voting machines were rigged. No one does a thing. Now, when he said that, I just screamed because I was like, who are you talking to? The 25 year olds who tune in to Tucker Carlson tonight. Whoo. Now. The average age of a Fox News viewer is 65. That would be old enough to remember in their lifetime easily. Ronald Reagan, two very much Republican, two elections where he clearly won a landslide. Then that was followed by George H.W. Bush. Bill Clinton won in 92. Wasn't a ton of debate on that because Perot kind of 
maybe possibly sort of split the vote there. It's debatable. The first election where people went, this is shady, was 2000, and that was Bush v. Gore, where you had Gore winning the popular vote, George W. Bush winning the electoral vote, but only by a razor-thin margin in the same state where his brother was governor and the secretary of state may or may not have been up to some shadiness. Then there was shadiness with the recount and all this debate about what was a vote, what wasn't a vote, butterfly ballots, all kinds of craziness. And the president was actually sort of picked indirectly by the Supreme Court. So yeah, I could see why a lot of citizens would be mad about that. Because the Supreme Court said, this is crazy, stop the recount, you're infringing upon the rights of George W. Bush. I might be paraphrasing, I'm not exactly sure what the reasoning was there. I was alive during 2000. I could vote back then. So yes, to say every election within your lifetime has been contested is absolute and utter nonsense. And he knows it. Oh my God. I just, so that's the list. That's all 13. The reason why I focused on that monologue today. And I do have other videos in the newsletter if you want to see them, included them, but I thought it would be way too long for the podcast to include them. But the reason why I focused on that monologue from all last week was because I think it's the crux of how Fox News is going to spin criminal indictments regarding January 6th, which I believe are coming. I might be wishful thinking, but I believe are coming. And the way they're going to say is, well, Biden prosecutes everyone and everything's a kangaroo court and everything's corrupt. And he's Stalin, which is so laughable because Stalin was an absolute monster. But I do think that that's what they're going to go. And I was like jumping out of my skin when he went this direction because I'm like, this is exactly he, he's preparing to spin this when Trump gets indicted and Trump may not get indicted. But this is what they're going to do if that happens, which also ties into and this is what disturbs the heck out of me is this idea that Tucker Carlson also pushes that the only thing standing between the average citizen and tyranny are there guns? So what is he really saying here? I mean, it's like he's got this match that he just keeps flicking, keeps flicking at a powder keg, just completely irresponsibly. Like, what are you doing, Tucker? Like, what are you doing? This is why I'm insanely concerned about this monologue. And this is why I was like, that's it. That's it. That's, that's the podcast. That's the newsletter. That's all I'm going to focus on. Because I don't think anything else matters. This is exactly what they're going to do. They're claiming that the government is evil and corrupt and that, you know, they're prosecuting people for no reason just because they don't agree with the government. And then when they finally see someone high up in the Trump administration or Trump and put them on trial, I wouldn't be surprised if people show up with guns. And I am not wishing that. But the way he talks and the way he gets his audience so riled up it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, it's absolutely absurd, of course, because we have a court system. If you want to sue the government, you can sue the government. You have the right to have an attorney to defend you in a court of law. We have due process. It's not just about guns, and, but mostly. And I, I say this all the time. It's like, what do you think is going to happen when the federal government shows up to arrest you and you whip out a gun from your arsenal in your basement to defend yourself. 
you're going to get shot. That's it. You're either going to get shot or you're going to get arrested and you're going to prison for the rest of your life. This idea that your stupid, ridiculous arsenal that you built and spent all this money on will keep the government from turning to tyranny is absolute nonsense. The only way you would fight the government of the United States is to have an organized militia. Basically, you'd have to have the military turn on the government. And I don't see that happening anytime soon. So this is just absolute delusion that could lead to violence. It's totally irresponsible what Tucker Carlson does on a nightly basis, but this one just sent me over the edge. (sighs) Now, since I haven't done this in two weeks, I'm going to end the podcast with stories Fox ignored. I wanted to include the previous two weeks, but it was too long. (laughs) And Substack's like, nope, you got to cut something. So I cut that. Very quickly, to summarize, Brittany uh, Greiner, detention in Russia. Fox didn't cover it. NATO signs off on Sweden and Finland membership bids. Barely mentioned on Fox. 101-year-old ex-guard at Nazi camp convicted by German court. Not mentioned. UN report on the Syrian war, which included 300,000 casualties. Not mentioned on Fox. The Flint water scandal, where criminal indictments against former Governor Rick Snyder and seven others were deemed invalid by the Michigan Supreme Court. Not mentioned on Fox. The case of 53 migrants dying of heat-related deaths while cramped in a tractor-trailer, mentioned on Fox, but they didn't really go into any detail, whereas PBS did a whole entire segment on it where they talked about the victims and what happened to them, which I think is the important part of that. Again, Naftali Bennett, not running for re-election as Prime Minister of Israel, that's huge, because his coalition fell apart. NATO summit. They kept saying that Biden was off in Europe, they didn't include why, he was at the NATO summit helping this whole situation with Sweden and Finland joining NATO and discussing the ongoing problem with Ukraine. And then there's this new thing that I think is pretty cool. They're coming out with 988, which is a way of making the uh, suicide hotline as simple to remember as 911. So it's going to be 988. That's going to roll out on July 18th. They're very excited about that. I think it's a very good thing. Hong Kong had their 25th anniversary free from China. And then PBS included a very big story about climate change. Now, what's scary about that list, and that's quite a few stories, is that's based on five hours of PBS in comparison to 10 hours of Fox News. That's how much information is not going out to a Fox News viewer. That's tragic. Fox just tends to recycle things and repeat things over and over, and they leave all of this out, especially with climate change. So if you want to see more stuff, there is more uh, video and a little bit more detail on the newsletter. I didn't want to make this podcast too long. I'm going to hopefully have one tomorrow, which is going to be about Roe v. Wade. That got backed up because of the holiday and because of January 6th. January 6th committee hearings just wipe me out. It's just so much extra work. But I'm happy to do it for you, my followers, and you mean the world to me. I see that this following is growing every single week, and that just makes me so happy. I also want to remind everybody that I have a Patreon account that's uh, I just added. Some people asked about it, so I went ahead and made one. It's to help um, pay for extra expenses in the project, which is going to be software. I'm literally saving every penny I get to buy some better audio software and hopefully some video capturing software. And I want to thank two new patrons, uh, Vicki Lynn, who is a friend of mine, 
And a man with a really fabulous, I'm going to attempt to pronounce it correctly. My apologies if I do not. It's Michael Jarjour, which sounds French. And my mother was a French teacher, so I always get a kick out of stuff that is French. Um, so again, check me out on TikTok. I don't really have much yet because they kind of shadow banned me over a Tucker Carlson, it's true, a Tucker Carlson account that I, a video that I put up unedited got flagged for hate speech. And my account's never been right since. But I'm trying. I'm trying. And then I have an Instagram. I'm on Twitter all the time and Facebook. And thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to this podcast. I always appreciate it. And uh, my mascots, Odin and Thor, thank you as well. And the next podcast should be tomorrow. I'm not kidding. I've got to get through this. But Roe v. Wade, I've got so many great clips from that. Thank you so much. I will see you, hear you, whatever, on the internet tomorrow. Thanks so much.